Uh, we've been working on a series uh, through the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, off and on. And again, the book of Ecclesiastes is a book that is part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. There are three wisdom books in the Old Testament. It would be the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. And, and part of the purpose of wisdom literature, especially the books of Job and Ecclesiastes, is to, is to actually disturb us a little bit and to, to get us to think more deeply than sort of the superficial things of life and to almost challenge some of our, 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 our belief systems. And that's part of the, the, the heritage of wisdom literature. And if you read through the book of Job, you clearly see that. I mean, it challenges us in this idea that if I just follow God, I'm always going to be blessed and nothing bad is going to happen to me because, you know, Job is this righteous God following loving person and, and tremendous tragedy hits. And that that disturbs us. It shakes us up a little bit. And the book of Ecclesiastes is similar. It, it shakes us up in terms of our, our life here on earth and reminds us that life is short. It reminds us that, that work can be hard. It reminds us that you know, you know, pleasure cannot always satisfy. It reminds us that, that work can be frustrating. It, it, it kind of shakes us up a little bit. But there's these little glimmers, of, as we have seen, of hope and God and beauty and gifts within the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Ecclesiastes actually talks quite a bit about work and career and job. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, stemming from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you could just click on the screen there, Noah or somebody back there to get it going. Oh, there you go. Um, if you haven't been with us as we've talked about this, again, just to be a, a reminder of, of this phrase, meaningless. Uh, you read it again and again. It's the most commonly used word, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So he talks about work being meaningless and pleasure being meaningless and, and wisdom being meaningless because the more you learn and grow in wisdom, the more questions you have. And so it's all just meaningless. But the English translations, as scholars point out, throws us off a little bit from the true heart of this book. Because when, at least I hear meaningless, I just think like trash, you know, like you know, a gum wrapper or something. It's just meaningless. It's just garbage. Uh, but that's not what he's quite saying. The, as we have spoken about, the Hebrew word is havel, which means smoke. It means vapor. And uh, he's not saying that these things are worthless. He's saying that they're uncontrollable, that there's a lot of mystery involved. And that uh, like, like smoke, we, we, see, we see smoke, but, but if we try to grab it, our hands go right through it. And, and, and sometimes life is like that. We, we see our life. We see our career. We see our family. We see all the stuff around us. But as soon as we try to control it and get our hands around it, or, you know, it's uncontrollable at times. And some, sometimes we're trying to control life to make it go this way. And all of a sudden it's going like way this way. It's like that's smoke. That's what smoke does. I mean, it, sometimes it just goes with the wind. And then smoke doesn't last forever. And he reminds us that our life doesn't last forever. And so he keeps saying that everything is like smoke. It's like smoke. It's like smoke. But as we've seen, he also says, there's all these little gifts of God in the midst of the smoke. As we've seen, he said, if you just try to let go of trying to control your life so much, you begin to see the beauty of God in all these little places and, and just trying to enjoy the moment with God rather than be so focused on, on all the, the future as we Talked about last time we looked at a story of a couple mountain climbers. And to me, it kind of illustrates the, the, the heart of the book of Ecclesiastes, where you have these two climbers going up this mountain. And, you know, they, they've spent their whole life just hoping they'd get to the top. And, and they finally get a chance to, but, you know, weather comes in and they, they don't make it. 
One of them is incredibly disappointed. He's bummed out and he's miserable for years and years because he never made it to the summit because he was just so focused on the summit. That's all he was focused on, getting to the top. And then the other climber, of course, I mean, he was disappointed, but he still loved it because every step he took, he was like, wow, look at, look at that, that rock creation there. Oh, look at that you know, little insect over there. He was just enjoying every moment and all the little gifts as he climbed. He enjoyed the camping and the staying. And he enjoyed every moment. Even though he didn't reach the goal, he enjoyed and, and saw all these gifts. And that's what Ecclesiastes is saying. If you're constantly focused on the goal and trying to control your life and making sure your life gets to this pinnacle goal or whatever, you might be very disappointed. But when you learn to live in the moment and you learn to see God's little gifts here and there, it can bring tremendous joy as we live in the smoke of life. Now, he, he talks a lot about work. And uh, work is actually a really important thing because we spend a lot of our life working. You know, uh, about 90,000 hours, I guess, is one as one Gettysburg College said, a third of our life can be spent working, which is a lot. That's a lot of our life because we also sleep, which is a lot of our life. And so, you know, the vast majority of our life is like working and sleeping. <laughs> you know, as Annie Dillard said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And because we spend a lot of time working, that work is actually a very important part of our life. And so we got to ask questions about that. How does it work with our faith? And, and of course, Ecclesiastes asks the question, you know, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? I mean, we spend so much time working. Like, is there ultimate meaning to our work? What's the heart of our work? Is, you know, how do I fit God into that work? And how does your faith relate to your job? You know, some people say, well, it has nothing to do with my job. You know, I just like work at Walmart and that has nothing to do with like Jesus or God or it has nothing to do it. And you know, how does it relate? And the scriptures actually tell us that your faith in Jesus has a lot to do with your work and they're very intertwined and we're not to see them as kind of separate areas where you just kind of connect with God in the morning or at church and then you just kind of go to work and it's a, a completely godless realm. No, God is very much there. Now, like as we pointed out in this book, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. It seems like this guy is going this direction then he kind of goes the opposite direction and he does so with work. He says, work really, really sucks. And then work is really actually quite awesome. <laughs> but maybe that's not a surprise because I don't know about you, but I think all of us are like that at times, you know. I hate my job. I'm going to quit and it's just horrible and everything. I just don't want it. And then, you know, a week later, like, I just love my job. I just had the best day. And like, we're like all over the place with work. Okay, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> there's this cognitive and he has this very much so. So for instance, in Ecclesiastes 2, he says, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth. Maybe you thought about that of your job. You know, I just, I just hate my job and my coworkers are driving me nuts. I mean, that's, I, just, I just hate it. Well, this guy did too. I came to hate all my hard work here on earth for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless, which means how smoky. In other words, I can't control what happens to my wealth after I die. And he's frustrated by that because we want to control our wealth and we want to control our assets. And, and he's saying, no, it's like smoke. You can try, but you never know what's going to happen to the economy. You never know what happens after you die. I mean, someone could take it over and they don't like your stuff and they just sell it all for a buck at the auction. You don't know. It's smoky. 
So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. I mean, you've ever done that? Look back at your life and like, why did I spend so much time working? You begin to question all your hard work in this world. Now, some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is smoky, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all smoky. I mean, again, what do people get from work? He's, look, this is the negative side he's thinking here. They get anxiety, they, they get pain and grief, and their minds cannot, cannot rest. And there's disturbing truth to that. I mean, as you've been in the workforce or you're working... I mean, how of you have just never, ever had anxiety at your job, ever? <laughs> I mean, work can make us very anxious at times. You know, the way, you know, customers are treating us or, you know, the frustrations of, of money or just whatever. And we have anxiety about this, this next job I have to do or things aren't turning out the way I want. There's a lot of anxiety in work. And there's pain and there's grief and and minds cannot rest, and you're up night thinking about things. I mean, you know, some people are like, I'm just gonna, I'm tired of working for other people. I'm just gonna go work for myself so I can actually have a break and, and I can rest my mind. I don't have to deal with a boss. And then all of a sudden they're lying there at night, like thinking and dreaming and worried about all the things and how they can make connections meet. I mean, so what happens with work? It bring, can bring anxiety. It can bring pain and grief and your, can cause your mind to be just alert all the time. And this includes like, you know, even weeding your garden, you know, things that might be even a, a hobby kind of work. I mean, because you have weeds and they come back and you're like, and I don't have time for this. And I mean, it, anxiety and pain and grief and minds cannot rest. I mean, and all jobs have that. You go right back to the, the very beginning of the book of Genesis when, you know, there was originally this perfect garden, but after, you know, the fall, there was, there was weeds in the garden and right away work is always combined with frustration. In other words, there's just no perfect job out there. <laughs> You know, sometimes I'm just going to find that perfect job. There is no perfect job. Every job has issues. Every job has problems. Every job has weeds. Every job has anxiety, pain, and grief. And every job sometimes will keep you up at night, you know, disturbed about things or thinking about things. That's just the nature of life here in the smoke, as Ecclesiastes would, would say. And uh, later on, he talks about another problem with work. He says, when you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. I mean, you can get hurt at your job. I mean, a lot. I mean, how many of you have been hurt at work before? Probably a number of you. I mean, I got hurt at work yesterday. I was doing a wedding rehearsal, and uh, this is the dangers of being a pastor. And uh, I was eating a burger, and uh, it sounds great so far, but a wasp landed on my burger, and I didn't know, and I, and I, I took a bite, and, it was, and I crunched it, and it stung me in my mouth. And uh, I thought I'd been to a razor blade or something. I was like, what is there with this burger? And I was like, that would be a chewed up wasp. That was what happened there. But uh, I mean, I mean, that's not the most frustrating thing about, I mean, uh, every job has problems, right? It could be worse, worse than that. <laughs> that is for sure. Trust me. It's not very fun as a pastor, like when you get a call you know, early in the morning that someone's kid died or you're trying to deal with conflict between theological views or, I mean, it doesn't matter, my job, your job, every job has these issues, this, this stuff. And Ecclesiastes is saying, sometimes work is really hard, so what do we actually get from all this work under the sun? 
I mean, this might be true. It was written 40 years ago, but for some, this is a gal who wrote a book on work. She said, this book, being about work, is by its very nature about violence to the spirit as well as to the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about shouting matches as well as fistfights, about nervous breakdowns as well as kicking the dog around. It is above all, or beneath all, about daily humiliations. To survive the day is triumph enough for many walking wounded among the great many of us. And he's she's talking about going to work. <laughs> it can be frustrating. And uh, maybe that was true 40 years ago, and maybe it's true for some of us. Hopefully not, but... Uh, and then, and then he's, he also says this, another issue about work, a frustration about work. In Ecclesiastes 4, he says, I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. He says that, you know, sometimes there are people that are burning themselves out, working overtime, and it's not necessarily from good motives. It's not because... You know, they're, they're trying to work with God. It's because they're trying to impress the people around them and trying to keep up with the Joneses, as the old phrase goes. I mean, they want to try to have a, you know, I need to be a better boss and a better business and I need to be more popular. And, and it's not about, you know, building the kingdom. It's about building self in like a negative sense. And he says, but this is all smoke because you don't get to keep all your stuff. And, and in the end, it, it can send you down the wrong, the wrong path. I heard somebody talk, uh, talking about this and he pointed out this quote from Madonna. I don't know if you like her music, but some of it's pretty good. Uh, is that bad to say as a pastor? Maybe. <laughs> uh, I grew up in the 90s, so there you go. Uh, I have an iron will, she says. All of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible feel, feeling, uh, fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me, because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. And sometimes this can affect us as a career, where, where we begin to think that, that my job is me, and, and my identity is found for my work. So if I'm doing well at work, that means I'm doing well as, as core self, or as Holy Spirit self. And I'm doing bad at work, then there must be something wrong with me. And, and, and the reality, and the scriptures would shout this, is that you are not your work. And your identity is not your job. Your identity is found in Jesus. And I think this Bible is going to be awesome because I think it kind of hits on this. Uh, that you are, you're, you, who you are is found in your Holy Spirit-led self. And this keeps you from getting too connected to your job and, and, and trying to get your value and your worth from your career and how you're doing and how other people see you because that will only send you down this, 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 this trap. And the book of Ecclesiastes says, this is a problem I see in, in, in the world of working, where people mix up who they are and their job and it gets so tangled that they don't know who they actually are. And right after that, he, he makes this interesting observation about work. He says, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. And I love this because what he's saying is, we have, we have choices in life when it comes to work. We can take both of our hands and just be lazy with them and idle and, and just not do anything. 
and you hope that everybody else is going to take care of me and I'm not going to contribute to society and you know even though I'm supposed to be generous as a follower of Jesus I'm not going to be generous I'm just hoping everybody's going to give to me like and he, and he says idle hands lead them to ruin if both hands are down there not working but he also says you know better to have if you have two handfuls of hard work that's not good either if all your life is is work 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 with both of your hands he so he says it's better to have one hand kind of lazy and quiet and restful and the other hand working and this is this balance, he says, that this is really what we should be shooting for, where we are working in life, but also resting in life. You, you don't want to have both hands resting all the time, and you don't want to have both hands working all the time. You want to work and kind of have that lazy rest and relax, you know. Back in the Old Testament, God mandated that through the Sabbath. And then it got infected by religion and rules, and, and that's why Jesus said the Sabbath was not made for tradition and God. It was made for man. It was to help us work and then rest one day awake and work and rest and and we'll all be pulled one way or the other some of you are pulled to be the i'm always working and i don't want to ever put my hands down and some of you are maybe pulled to more just you know i have a hard time getting up for work and i just want to have my hands down and and the this guy who's investigating life says you know the best life is always when you're working and resting working and resting and so this is one of his observations from from the book and in chapter 5, he has another observation. He says, we all come to the end of our lives naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind throughout their lives. They live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, angry. And so this is the negative side coming out. And, but it's just true that we can't take our riches with us. And, and sometimes we forget that. You know, we work so hard and we accumulate things and houses and cars and stuff. And it's like, look at all this stuff. And we enjoy it, you know, for the moment. But, but in the grand scheme of this, this eternal life universe, we can't take our stuff with us. And so he's just reminding us that maybe our stuff is not as important as we think it is. And it's a good reminder because we know that the most important things in life are relationships with God and with others and and this is kind of a subtle reminder and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show I shouldn't be alive I think I've even mentioned this before because I like this show because don't watch the show if you're queasy but uh, I like kind of end of the world disaster you know survival stories and you can just watch this on YouTube but it's just filled with hundreds of these stories of people who like really should have died and, and every one of them has a moment where they actually think they're gonna die because you know, they got broken bones in the middle of the wilderness or they're stuck on top of a mountain and it's winter and it's cold and, you know, they broke something or plane crashed or whatever. All these things that are just crazy stories. And there's always this moment in, in most episodes, actually, where they're like talking because they're interviewing this person, you know, about, you know, I, I, they just kind of give up. and Like, I don't think I'm going to make it. I think this is the end for me. And I have not heard once them saying, you know, I'm really going to miss my cars and I'm really going to miss my houses, and I wish I just had more investments, not once, but it always goes towards, they think about their family, they think about their friends, they think about their loved one, and in these moments, this is, again, that's kind of like wisdom literature, in the sense it disturbs us and gets us back to thinking about the, the true heart of things. The most important things in this world are, is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And so he's warning us to be careful about having both hands working all the time, <laughs> but to work and to rest and to work and to rest. And, and so 
that's kind of the negative side. But then he has these positive things to say, which seem to be completely opposite. He says, right after that, I mean, right after he says, uh, you know, throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry, you know, that side of work. And then he says, even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them. So we see, saying again, that, I mean, work can be frustrating, but it's also really important that you enjoy your work. And we've, we've talked a lot about this, this idea of seeing those little gifts in the smoke of life and in the smoke of work to look for those things that you can be thankful for that bring you joy in, in those moments. And Ecclesiastes 3 says this. So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. This is his observation. That you need to find a way you can at least somewhat enjoy your job <laughs> in the smoke. It's never, never going to be perfect. But, but how can you find enjoyment in your work? Or Ecclesiastes 2, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God for who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him. And this really becomes a key to the whole book of Ecclesiastes that he begins to see that every of these little things, food and drink and work, that these, these are pleasures given by God, that God gives them meaning. I mean, when you begin to, if you just kind of work on your own and think it's just you and has nothing to do with my faith, I mean, sure, work can be incredibly miserable. But as soon as you realize that God's at work at my workplace and there's all these little gifts around at my workplace and, and I'm actually building the kingdom at my workplace, it, it helps you find joy. As it says in James 1, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And even if you think your job sucks, I'm sure there are some things that you would say that this is actually a real gift at work. I'm actually breathing and not dead. That's a gift. You can start there. <laughs> that I actually have hands that I can use and, and I can actually I talk to somebody. I can see people and, and maybe just you, you find those people maybe at work or the customers that you enjoy and you, and you, just, you just thank God for them. But, but to, to, to see God in every little moment as like the mountain climbers who's excited about every step and at work to learn to see God here and God there and there's God and look at God is working and God what are you doing and to bring God and to see that it's all from God. If you're always racing to the next moment, what happens to the one you're in? Slow down, enjoy the moment you're in and live your life to the fullest. And that would apply to work as well. Sometimes we're just, again, like the mountain climber, I can't wait till five. Why is the day going so slow? It's only two, you know. Uh, what about God? What's God doing in the moment? What is God doing at two o'clock? <laughs> you know, how is God living and breathing in that moment? Now I'm going to jump from Ephesians just to close here from Colossians. Because I think any talk about scripture, God, and work, um, th this is such an incredible point. And, and this is one of those things that I think we have a really, really, really hard time believing. He says in Colossians 3, work willingly... And whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. So first of all, our work is not meaningless. It's actually somehow working to be an inheritance in this future world that he's creating. That, that what you're doing now actually matters for eternity. Even if you're just working at a gas station, he says it's rewarded and there's an inheritance that somehow your job is wrapped up in this, this future world. But, but he also says that whatever you do, you're working for the Lord. Whatever you do, you're working for 
the Lord. I mean, if, if we lined up a, you know, a list of people, you know, so here we have like a doctor or a nurse or something and a, you know, old school flight attendant and a carpenter and a photographer and see, maybe see that gal's the pastor and then, and then you have a police officer. I mean, which one is working for the Lord? You know, which one's doing the Lord's work? You probably would just, well, the right answer is all of them, I mean, maybe. But, but suddenly we have a hard time believing that. We'd say, well, it's, it's the pastor, it's the missionary, it's the, it's the theologian, the person who went to Bible school and, and they're working at a Bible college. You know, it's that person who's a missionary overseas there doing the Lord's work. I'm just like working, you know, at Home Hardware or Walmart or, you know, whatever I'm doing. I'm just an engineer. I'm not, I'm not actually doing the Lord's work. And so my faith has nothing to do with my job. My faith comes alive when I go to church or do my devotions, but my faith is not connected to my job. But, that's what Paul said. He said, whatever you do, you're working for the Lord. It doesn't matter what your job is. You are working for the Lord. You're working for the Lord just as much as I am working for the Lord. Unless you falsely believe that somehow the kingdom of God is only found in a building, which I hope you don't believe, because that's really screwed up. The kingdom of God is everywhere. The kingdom of God is at work in every single place, in every workplace. The kingdom of God is alive and God is present. He will never leave you forsaken. He doesn't like when you leave the building, just get, oh, I'm stuck in the church. <laughs> Wherever you are, there he is. And when you're at work, God is there. And his fullness and the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son is with you. And, and Jesus said, my father's always working. He doesn't just work in the church, but he's at work everywhere in your job. Every job is a kingdom job. You are, you are totally, absolutely working as much for God, as much for Jesus as I am. If you, if you work outside the church, I mean, do you believe that? Because a lot of people have a hard time believing that. You know, some I've seen people who are so guilty, you know, like, you know, I went to Bible, Bible school and I thought I was supposed to be a pastor, but then I ended up being, you know, a doctor and I'm just so miserable and I think I missed it. And okay, maybe if God is actually calling you, but if it's just kind of guilt because somehow you think that God's not at work out there, then, then you're off base. Whatever you do, you are working for the Lord because the kingdom of God is everywhere. Uh, further, we know that the one main command that Jesus gave describing the, the kingdom, describing the work of the new covenant, is to love one another. This is the one main command of the new covenant. Now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And in case we missed it, John 15, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. In case you missed that, he says, this is my commandment, love each other. And we can all do that. You can do that every job. Unless you're a professional thief, you should maybe quit and find something else. But I mean, there's always people to love. And that's building the kingdom. There's always people who maybe need to hear about God and to remind them that, hey, that God is in love with you and he welcomes you to his table. And I mean, every job is a kingdom job. And I hope you understand that when you walk into work, you're like, man, I'm working for God and, and this is part of his kingdom. God, where are you, where are you working today? A long time ago, Luther said this, it is pure invention that Pope, bishops, priests, and monks are called to be the spiritual estate. Princes, lords, artisans, and farmers are the temporal estate. This is indeed a fine bit of lying and hypocrisy. Yet no one should be frightened by it. And for this reason, all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate. And there is among them no difference at all but uh, that of office. Through baptism, all of us are consecrated to the priesthood, as St. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a royal priesthood, a priestly kingdom. 
Wherever you are, you're a priest. Wherever you are, God is at work. Wherever you are, God wants you to be building his kingdom. Every job is a kingdom job. In fact, Luther talks about how, how the, the handmaiden milking the cow is like doing the Lord's work. Because people need milk. And that's loving them. I mean, you sell clothes. People need clothes. You're loving them. You sell shoes. You're, you're loving those people because people need shoes. I mean, you work at the grocery store. People need food. I mean, if you're building highways, I mean, it's nice to have a nice highway. I mean, that's loving people. You, you love people through your job. It's much more than just words, but through our work in so many ways, we're building the kingdom because God actually cares about this world. I mean, even if you're just in your garden, weeding your garden, you're like, what does this have to do with the kingdom? It's very much like the kingdom because God planted a garden and God works in gardens and he... The Psalms, you know, metaphorically talk about how he causes the rain to fall and the, the plants to grow. And so when your hands are even the dirt, even in your hobby, hobbies, there's a sense that you are building the kingdom. No matter what you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work. And so whatever you do, you're working for the Lord. Now I just want to finish with this text in Matthew 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, our soul can get worn down, especially from work at times. But Jesus is inviting into this rest, but it's not a rest where both hands are down. <laughs> There's a sense, he says, take my yoke upon you, and a yoke was what you put on an animal to work. <laughs> Jesus says, I want you to give up the yoke of you know, living for riches and just living for, you know, the, the ultimate goal that somehow you've created that maybe doesn't have to do with walking with God in the moment. That can make you tired. Take my yoke upon you and just see me in the moment. And, and so we have this rest in our soul, but we're also working in the kingdom. It's very much what Ecclesiastes say, where one hand is working and one hand is resting. There's a sense that as we serve in the kingdom, that we have the yoke of Jesus, that, that we love people. We work hard at loving people, but we also have this incredible rest in Jesus. And when things go south and north and west and sour and it's all just smoke around us, that you can just pause and you're like, man, I'm just in the presence of God right now. Even though everything around me is going crazy, <laughs> the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're in me, they're with me, they love me, I'm connected. This is part of the kingdom. And even in this mess, God is at work. And sometimes you just need to stop, maybe at work for just a moment and just remind yourself of that to work and rest, to experience the rest of Jesus, but to also carry the yoke of Jesus and build his kingdom. So God, I thank you for work. God, I pray you just help us to see the gifts that are hidden all over the place in our workplace. God, help us to love people deeply. And that become like the main purpose of building your kingdom and carrying out that one big command. God, may we just find rest in you at work and when days are hard. God, I know that's challenging, but we just ask for more of your Spirit's work in that area. In Jesus' name.